Hello, welcome to ITR Award Winners Podcast, where we'll be in conversation with experts from winning firms across the global ITR award ceremonies. I'm Prince Shashiharan, and I oversee the research process for the ITR Awards, working alongside an internal panel made up of ITR researchers and journalists. The awards recognize the leading tax and transfer pricing firms across the world and covers excellence across the six continents. Today, I'm joined by Yves Hervé and Philippe de Hamont of NARA Economic Consulting. In May, the firm was adjudged as Germany's transfer pricing firm of the year by ITR. For over half a century, NARA experts have been central to client success in some of the world's highest profile cases related to litigation, regulation, and business challenges. The firm remained at the forefront of transfer pricing policy setting in Europe, let alone Germany, and offers a full range of transfer pricing services, independent advice, and valuation support by world-class economists. I will be handing over to Yves, who will provide a brief introduction of the team at NARA. My name is uh, Yves Hervé and I'm a Managing Director uh, with NERA Economic Consulting. Together with my uh, partner colleague, Philippe de Aumont, we lead NERA's uh, transfer pricing practice in Germany. A few words on NERA. NERA is an economic consulting firm which is part of the Oliver Wyman Group and as such is globally the largest economic consulting practice in the world with a global footprint which ranges from the US to Asia-Pacific. In Europe, we are located in France, um, UK, and Germany in particular. Our service pillars include IP valuation and transfer pricing. We support clients and their advisors, especially law firms, on technically very challenging TP issues where our economist competence is particularly valued. After being a transfer pricing partner in both KPMG and PwC in Germany in the past, I joined NERA more than two years ago in the expectation that dispute disruptions to globalization, digital transformation, and the post-BAPS regulatory environment implied a strong increase of uh, future tax litigation. And in fact, just after two months' time with the firm, these expectations were fully met. We have been advising one of the largest global tech companies for months. On, their, on mastering their European transfer pricing challenges. And we are doing similar type of work for major industrial and consumer product uh, pro, uh, companies. Philip, you want to add up uh, a few words on, on our Frankfurt team? So thank you, thank you, Prin, and thank you, Eve. So from my side, I'm Philip Diomol. Um, as Eve said, uh, I'm the second partner in the uh, Frankfurt office. Um, my background is... Also, uh, I'm an economist. Uh, I'm a physicist also by training. I've been working for in, in transfer pricing uh, for 10 years now as a specialist. Um, and just uh, last year, got promoted to partner, to full partner, uh, due to the work on digitalization and litigation. Um, and I think our focus on dedicated litigation support is, is really what does set us apart um, at NERA. So in, in Germany in particular, we have 10 transfer pricing economists uh, who are operating from Frankfurt, uh, but are, as Eve already laid to, uh, working on cases worldwide from digital companies in the United States uh, to Swedish court cases and mid-sized companies in Germany. So that that focus on, on economics is really, I think, what is setting Nero apart a little bit from uh, from other companies, um, and which makes us a good partner, really, for good law firm, for law firms and taxpayers. Thanks, Philip. A great introduction. Um, I think, firstly, I think it'd be great to hear about the firm's focus and specialisms. Uh, in ITR's research, the firm's court litigation and digital transformation work really set it apart from its closest competitors over the last year. 
This is kind of also a key factor that the firm's key private practice and in-house peers, as well as clients, were keen to note in our surveys. Um, it would be great to hear an overview of the firm's profile from you. And and I'll be happy to give that because uh, especially court litigation is one of the areas that, that I'm extremely passionate about. Um, and that really aligns to Nero's mission. So from my perspective, it's that, you know, the OECD in transfer pricing has put out this emphasis um, on better economics, on, on better documentation um, throughout the BEPS project, really. So we've seen really that the OECD um, is pushing for these advanced methods um, and putting the burden on the taxpayer to actually follow that. And, you know, from my perspective as an economist, that does make sense. But we also see that sometimes tax authorities don't quite come to that level. And and still sometimes tax authorities come into an audit situation um, and they might just look at um, the situation and they just might look for an adjustment on, on the tax base um, without the same level of economic substance being applied. So that is something that really irks me and, and where we think, where I think, you know, the rule of law must come into play a little bit more. Um, and this is, I think, where we need to move away a little bit from, let's say, the foul compromises that we had in, in transfer pricing sometimes traditionally to a situation where we are thinking much more in terms of economics um, and we are putting actually much more substance into, into uh, the cases. Um, and that brings us to, to the court litigation where, uh, let's say, we are, we are backing that by the court of law um, and working towards that. And working on that is, is, is greatly um, satisfying because you can uh, really bring forward transfer pricing arguments, let's say, um, in, in a uh, court of law where it really matters. So that's, that's extremely interesting to me. But it's not only that, we've also worked quite a bit on digital transformation. Um, and I think Eve has, has quite some good examples on that as well. Yeah. And uh, obviously, digital transformation is not only about tech companies. It's also about tech companies, but not only. As you know, uh, the data analytics-based transformation of product and service portfolio of multinationals is always going to one direction, which is customer-centric solutions. That's the big game changer uh, in the world currently. And through that, um, we have a massive transformation of the way um, multinationals conduct their business with elements of centralizations, elements of decentralization, which imply that the center of gravity around intangible related economic decision-making moves and requires adaptation of established TP solutions. And we support that really with thought leadership we have developed with one of the leading US tech companies in their European TP restructuring to align their transfer pricing with a post-BEPS regulatory environment. Great, thank you. Um... So, as mentioned, at the 2020 ITR European Tax Awards, Nero Economic Consulting picked up the top prize in Germany for its transfer pricing work. The result was announced, taking the firm's 2019 work into review, as well as through assessing client and peer feedback over their excellence. Perhaps you could share your thoughts on winning the prize, what it means, and sum up the success and trends you've seen over the last year. I think some of the work that we've done, um, which very heavily related to digital companies, uh, was from our side very, very interesting. And it was also economically relevant, I think, at this particular point in time, because we're seeing that this is so much of a focus area in taxation today. How do you um, attribute profits in digital companies correctly? Um, and it comes as a time when the OECD BEPS project has or had already tried to tackle that question specifically but had also brought up the questions about um, intangible related items and, and MP functions. 
So I think one of the big trends that we are seeing is that a lot of the intangibles are to some degree much more locally owned and 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 developed um, and in that degree or, or to that to that effect uh, one of the items that we are seeing is that the profit split is is being much more used than it was historically um, and this is exactly the area that we've been working in in the last uh, couple of years um, and just to just to relate to two examples that I think were also mentioned in the um, in in the process is for the digital companies in in Europe we are seeing that, you ha might have these these multitude of of development hubs that that are sitting in in different countries, um, and we need to make sure that obviously all of these companies are developing intangibles. So how can we make sure that we capture their value contribution correctly? And in that, we are applying some of the methods that have been developed earlier by the firm, like value chain analysis, um, and definitely from a technical point of view, profit split solutions. And they are extremely interesting because, especially in digital companies, um, you often have these various different KPIs. Um, digital companies tend to have rely heavily on data, um, and that data, I think, you can use in transfer pricing solutions as well to really measure uh, the effect of various different intangibles when you do put them together. So that, I think, is very interesting work. Of course, we cannot disclose too many details. Um, but it is very increasingly relevant in, in a time when we see that market intangibles do become um, much more prominent. And the other example that I would, I would think about is uh, that I found very satisfying, at least, um, was a situation where we applied a three-party profit split uh, to, to a taxpayer between a German company, a Russian company, and um, a US-based entity. And one of the items, of course, is that a three-party profit split is just technically uh, a little bit uh, more more challenging and therefore a little bit more fun to to employ, but it also needs to be a very practical solution. And when you think about the ranges, how that comes together, that's that's a very interesting way how you can advise taxpayers to to have a transfer pricing system that they can use in real life that is practical that doesn't involve too many adjustments, um, but that still is technically correct. So that I think is has been some of the very interesting work that we've seen so far. But um, to hand it over to Eve as well. Yeah, some maybe some complementary relevant project experience that shows a little bit um, the landscape in which we are currently operating. The one is a very interesting uh, con a tax controversy case we have in Germany uh, for a global uh, tobacco, big tobacco company, and uh, this relates to controversy which is more than 10, uh, 10 years old. But the interesting thing is. The current um, economic thinking on intangibles is heavily impacting on the behavior of tax authorities to assess that case. So what's it's all about? It is very classic situation where we have seen in, in the 2000s that this company has adopted the European principal structure, has converted the European sales operations, including those of Germany, towards LRD status. And that has happened a long time ago. And whereas normally in tax audits, and, um, the situation in the past has focused primarily on, on exit taxations, have we transferred something of value, etc. In, in the pre current case, it's a very much more controversial topic about the substance of the principle and the nature of the marketing activities of the German local sales companies. So it is challenging. It is challenged that... Um, this, the principal is doing any value added, and B, it is challenged 
that the LRD is doing only limited risk services on the ground, that it is responsible for implementation of a marketing program on the German market. And this is really brings us to the heart of the, of the DEMPI uh, topics brought up uh, by the BEPS initiative. And it applies, it is applied retroactively by authorities to years which are very much pre-BEPS. And that's a little bit the situation that uh, taxpayers are confronted with nowadays. A second case relates to a leading European automotive supplier with a traditional decentralized TP model where plants are operating as entrepreneurial risk takers and residual profit earners. And um, adopting uh, BAP's review uh, with us, uh, the company came to a conclusion that there was a misalignment of function, risks, and economic decision making, which is at the heart of the of the BAP's program. And we are now conducting, uh, together with the client, a major TP restructuring for the whole group, and that on top of that, on the, in a COVID nineteen context, uh, where it is really. Uh, seen as a strategic objective to flexibilize the future TB model in such a way that it is not only tax compliant, but also tax effective and liquidity enhancing for the group. This was an overview of the, the services we are currently doing. Uh, Prem, you want to follow up? Sure, thank you. And again, congratulations on the victory. A very well-deserved recognition. Um, moving on to something you just briefly touched upon, COVID-19. How has the challenge been adapting to the new circumstances in working amid the coronavirus pandemic, not only internally, but also in a world where every business treads with caution? For our audiences, it's worth noting that NARA recently published two very popular articles on ITR as the German national correspondent, including one on how economic decline may prompt multinationals to alter their transfer pricing models. It would, it would be great to hear your thoughts on your recent strategies and how you've overcome such challenges. Well, if you look at internal object, uh, constraints, obviously we have moved into a kind of remote service operation modus, uh, working from the home office. Interestingly, we, uh, we have been very successful as a team to manage that process. And surprisingly for me as well, we were able uh, to really keep up the communication with our clients on that basis because they were very often in the same situation and now having uh, Zoom and Microsoft team meetings to, to offer the consulting services. It's quite effect, effective and powerful tools, and uh, we are getting used to it. On, on the more general client-facing uh, situations, obviously, this crisis has hit our clients very hard, and it's only now that it's becoming increasingly visible how big the financial impact will be uh, for our clients as the Q2 results become uh, available and it's now to be foreseen that many groups are going to enter having a heavy loss-making year this year and with a big uncertainty on how fast uh, the economy is going to turn around. And in such situation, a primary financial objective is to prevent the emergence of loss making islands where you pile up all residual profits or losses from the value chains while you're paying taxes in a majority of jurisdictions. In fact, this was very much a model that many multinationals pursued, but for a time of profits 
And now in a time of losses, they see how unfortunately the financial impact can be. And so we are heavily engaged by our clients to in, thought, in thinking about how to flexibilize uh, their TFEAP models. Um, for example, by flexibilizing target margin returns for routine functions or by uh, considering some more uh, profit split solutions. Philip, you may want to share some experience in this regard. I, I, I think that's exactly right. And I think the crisis, as, as we see it, does emphasize, in, in many ways, it emphasizes trends that, that we have already um, maybe witnessed emerging before the crisis. Of course, uh, digital companies tend to do particularly well in, in, these, uh, in, in the current times. So I think that's also true in, in transfer pricing. And, and definitely, the elephant in the room seems to be during these days, uh, what do you do with routine companies? Um, and I think it's quite quite correct to say that the notion of, of a routine company as being this stabilized profit um, on, on a very you know long-term basis is to some degree not, not quite right. It does feel um, like a routine company should be earning losses, right? A routine company is not defined um, from a transfer pricing perspective as something that earns low but stable routine margins. A routine company is defined as something that you could outsource um, and something that could be readily available at the market. And we definitely do know that third-party companies do sometimes make losses. So um, I, I think the notion is quite all right to, to say that routine companies can incur some losses, but the big question is, of course, are tax authorities going to accept that notion? Um, and I think it's exactly right to think about, again, profit splits as something that we have seen emerging already, um, and think about not just sharing the risks that we are uh, experiencing now as we go into a crisis, but also think about the chances once we go out of that crisis. Um, and I think it's a much better proposition to put to tax authorities to say, look, my routine company is going to suffer some losses now in 2020 and maybe 21, but that comes with the upshot of potentially participating in some of the chances going out of this crisis. Um, and I think that's a much better proposition than saying we have this stable return in all times, except now we are uh, going to go for something negative. So I think that is that is quite um, a promising way to, to think about that if you are a little bit more courageous. Um, but I do think it, of course, needs to be set up uh, quite appropriately. And um, there are some ways for, for that, but that would exceed the, uh, I, I think, format for today. Thank you, Philip. Um, just touching a bit more about some of the points you uh, just discussed, how do you think the TP space will effectively evolve over the next 12 to 24 months as the market recovers from this sudden shock? In particular, do you feel the current trend of litigation will remain as it is? Um, it's, of course, also worth noting any macro-level changes with Germany uh, setting out its ambitious tax policies after it just recently took over the presidency of the Council of the European Union. I think um, it's, well... If we can talk about a trend, then towards more litigation, yes, it is going to continue for two reasons. Um, the one is the regulatory world. You know, the OECD has accomplished its BEPS project or it's continuing to implement it with the Pillar 1 and Pillar 2 discussions, but it only now starts getting translated into national tax law. So Germany, for example, will probably still in the course of this year, complete a major change in its tax legislations where the whole OECD BEPS thinking will enter the German foreign tax code. 
And from that, you can, you can expect that already in the next few years, the, the BEPS-related controversies will become much more uh, act, uh, disputed uh, in, in, in between countries. And when it comes on top of that, that you have a big crisis where all uh, uh, countries will uh, be in a battle for um, an eroding, for an economically eroding tax base, then you can al already anticipate a world where the controversy will uh, be on top of the agenda of many multinationals. Exactly agreed. I think as, as states are experiencing severe budget shortfalls, um, we, we are very much sure that tax uh, audits are going to become more aggressive, uh, at least over the midterm. Um, and that alone would already result in, in increased litigation procedures. Um, on top of that, we have some, some developments that are going to happen in Germany, of course, uh, with the uh, adaptation of DAC6 and, and anti-tax avoidance directives. But I wouldn't say that necessarily these are the most important items. These are, um, to some degree, you know, in, in, in Germany, we have continued audits for most companies anyway, at least for most large taxpayers. So just the increased scrutiny um, will not necessarily result, or that will not necessarily result in more audits um, or necessarily even more aggressive audits. Uh, what we do see, on the other hand, is the increased aim to collect more revenues um, on the one hand, and on the other hand, the increased training by uh, German tax authorities, both on the federal level, uh, where we had the chance to talk to some of them in, in quite a bit of detail, and on the state level. Um, so on both of these levels, we can see that there's a lot more people coming in um, and they are uh, quite well trained. So that is, uh, I think, from a practical point of view, the most uh, important thing for taxpayers to be aware of that definitively the audit situation in Germany is going to become more aggressive. Um, and we do think that that will result in more uh, transfer pricing cases being brought ultimately to court. And if I can add, I think... The, the, the a key change in the transfer pricing audits that uh, dispute resolution will require ever more um, a transparency in how transfer pricing impacts of, on profitability of the different parties to the transactions. Very much, and we will, uh, solutions will require getting away with one-sided um, documentation, one-sided, one-sided methods. They may still have to be defended, but uh, but the solution will require transparency, and um, and that's a big change in in the way uh, multinationals will have to consider how to fulfill their compliance uh, requirements. Thank you, Eve. Um, on a final note, I just want to say that there is some amazing work happening behind the scenes within these tax and transfer pricing departments that we don't always know of or see. But it's nice to be able to show some recognition here through these awards. I'm going to pass it to the NARA team for a final message to our audiences. Yeah, if, if there is one thing in, in, in COVID-19 times uh, that uh, you're probably all considering, it's never to waste a good crisis. I think uh, BEPS was considered a game changer in the tax regulatory world, but multinationals have often been hesitant so far to embrace change as they had fought so many years to establish and defend their traditional TP solutions. From one day to the other, really COVID-19 changes all this because we have a dramatic uncertainty about how group profit will develop for many upcoming years and uh, because, and this will entail a, a strong battle uh, for for 
to allocation of uh, global taxable income. And in, in, a, in its um, such world, um, it's clear that uh, companies must be open-minded to how to, to let their transfer pricing system evolve in the short and medium uh, term already. I think just to add from my side, I think we are very honored that, that uh, we received this recognition. And, and we do very much look forward and feel excited about um, using economics further in, in transfer pricing, both in controversy, but also in setting up uh, transfer pricing systems for the future. So likewise, if you're passionate about uh, transfer pricing and economics and transfer pricing, we very much invited you to connect. Um, and of course, uh, work for our uh, continuing series in, in ITR. From my side, I just wanted to say a big congratulations again to everyone associated with the firm on the deserved recognition. It's been our most comprehensive research process yet, so we really do wish you the best for the success. Thank you to our audiences for tuning in, and we're hoping you're all staying safe. Goodbye.